Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I have some fun things to talk about tonight. A lot of it has to do with um, even my story. Like I see myself a lot in this kind of stuff. Um, if you're in the room tonight and you have doubts about Jesus even being a real person, uh, let alone being uh, the Son of God and the Savior of the universe, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I've been there. Um, and it is a real space, and I respect you in it. And I hope tonight that I get to show you some stuff, and if, uh, some of this content helps you understand um, a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not standing up here tonight telling you I'm going to 100% prove everything in the universe. That's not my goal, and that's not my job. However, I do want to show you that truth does exist and where you can find it. So, so if you are interested in that kind of stuff and you're waiting for some evidence, I hope tonight is helpful to you. We're starting a series called Uproar, and it's all about um, all the noise that's surrounding us in our, in our time in which we live. There's so much um, noise on social media, on the internet, um, in your schools, in your classrooms, right, that, that really trip us up, and not only trip us up, but get people upset about stuff. And then people start yelling at each other and disagreeing and stuff. And I think we have this huge confusion with the fact that we can't agree with people or like that we can't agree with people and still like them. You know what I'm saying? Like you cannot agree with someone and still be really loving to them. But this whole uproar series is taking that idea and introducing what Jesus said to some of the things that cause these uproars, which are um, a lack of hope, um, struggling to find your identity, um, a doubt, um, suffering, things like that. And we want to talk about what Jesus says about those things specifically. So we're diving into that tonight. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started and all of that. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for what you're teaching me and how far you've brought me. God, you've worked on so many doubts in my life. You've worked on so many things that I've been skeptical about. You've shown me yourself in so many different ways. And so I pray for these students that are in these, in these formidable years of their lives where they're trying um, their best to find truth. Um, I pray that tonight your Holy Spirit would show them truth, uh, truth that's found in Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So what is truth? That's, that's really the big question, right? What is truth? And so we're, we're walking into this conversation um, in that, that truth really makes people um, nervous. Uh, the thought that maybe that there is an absolute truth makes people insecure. And so tonight I think we have a common question with a lot of people that actually spoke uh, to Jesus in Scripture um, but there's a case in, in John, it's a, it's a book in the Bible, where Jesus is going um, to die. He's been, he's been put on trial by the, the religious people of the time that didn't like how he was shaking up their power situation. And uh, they said, this guy's claiming a truth that we don't agree with, so we're going to kill him. And so they put him in front of the governor at the time, his name's Pilate. And he walks into the room and Pilate says, what's the deal? Why are you here and why are you bothering me? Do you claim to be the son of God? Are you, are you like the king of the Jews or what? And Jesus goes, do you want to know or is someone making you ask me? As almost to say, what do you think is true? Regardless of what they say, what do you think is true? And you can see how it kind of trips Pilate up in this situation because he says, well, they're claiming I'm not a Jew. They're claiming that you're their king. I don't really care. This is just a waste of my time. What's going on? And he says, well... My kingdom is not of this world. It's not, it's not from here. And he goes, so you are a king. And Jesus says, listen, 
king or not, whatever you believe to be true or whatever you believe not to be true, I came here, I was born, and I came to this earth to testify to the truth. And all the people on the side of truth listen to me. It's a pretty bold claim. And Pilate asks the question that I think all of us ask, and that is, what is truth? And he looks at Jesus and says, what is truth? And then he walks away and he goes back to the religious leaders that want him killed and say, I can't find anything wrong with this man. There is no reason to kill this human. Spoiler alert, they did it anyways. But we benefited from it. So the question is, what is truth? I don't have time to swim in all the waters of philosophy and logic tonight. I love those conversations. I, I, I love to just sit in those for hours, but I don't have time for it. So what I want to do tonight is um, actually talk about two things that I think trip us up on truth. And one of the ways that we can find out what truth is, is that we can decide what truth isn't. Does that make sense? So we find the flip side of it. One of the things that I think trips us up the most, there's a thousand things about this conversation, but I think the one thing that trips us up the most is that truth is not opinion. We live in a country, and, and I love it, like that we have so much freedom, and we, and we get to be so independent. But some people take that too far, right? And they, and they say, okay, so my independence is established in me playing God. I define my identity. I define my truth. I don't have to agree with you. And in fact, if I don't agree with you, I'm never going to talk to you. That's where our country's headed. You know what I'm saying? But, but really, if you look at the stats of the stress and the anxiety that's happening in this country, we lead the world by far. And I think it's kind of found in this idea of we have to create our own truth and sometimes we're not good at playing God. So we get tripped up by this. Truth is an opinion. And here's a perfect example of this. Um, do you remember the movie Batman versus Superman that came out? Yeah, so I was still in the toxic wasteland known as Twitter. That's just my opinion. I was still there during the time that, that uh, movie came out. And uh, I noticed that everybody was ripping it, just saying that was the worst movie on the face of the planet. That was the worst movie in a century. It was awful. It was trash. It was garbage. And so I said, that movie must be trash. I pick up my buddy Brendan Reed the next day. I said, what did you do last night? He said, I went to see Batman versus Superman. And I go, oh, that movie is awful. He goes, I kind of liked it. You've seen it? And I went, no. <laughs> and I realized in that moment that I let other people's opinions manipulate what I thought was truth even if I had never experienced it. How trippy is that? Just people's opinions had formed the way that I viewed my reality and things that I have never experienced. And I was like, that, that's, that's what's garbage. Because I think of you guys in your seats on all the opinions that are getting screamed at you through these screens and these feeds and you, and you take it as truth, but that's not true. That's someone's opinion. And you lean into those things and you accept them and they manipulate you and change your view of reality, but you're not founded on any truth. It's just opinion. Opinion is not truth. Here's another thing that we often get when we talk about truth. We, we talk about religion. Tonight, here we're a Jesus community. We always lead it back to faith. This is all about faith. And so um, a lot of people will say, okay, so let's say we take 100 religions. They're all headed towards God. They're basically all walking up the same mountain, right? And either there's a God there or there's not. So either all religions are true or all religions are false. And they kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater in that logic. Because here's the deal. Let's take that same logic and apply it to a different situation. Let's say of, instead of 100 religions heading up a mountain, you take 100 students doing math problems. A very complex math problem. Now, many of those students are going to get that math problem wrong. 
But does that mean that the right answer doesn't exist? Far from it. Of course there's a right answer to that math problem. That just means that there's been errors that have been made. You see what I'm saying? So it's not either truth exists or it doesn't exist. It's really the question, what is truth? And it brings us back to that. My last point that I want to make about truth is you have some people that sit in the camp of there is no absolute truth. That's what they'll say. You're you're talking about Jesus or you're talking about um, beliefs that the world has and they will say there is no such thing as absolute truth. And I hope you notice when they say that, they're saying an absolute truth. (laughs) When they say there is no such thing as absolute truth, that's an absolute truth that they're believing. So there's logic problems there. So if truth does exist, where does it come from? And what does it look like? Here's kind of what truth looks like. And here's one thing that's absolutely true about truth. Truth is true whether you believe it or not. Truth is true whether you believe it or not. Example, gravity. Gravity exists. I can't see it. I can't prove it. We don't even really understand why it happens. But it's true whether I believe it or not. Every time I jump, I come back down. I can choose to not believe it, but it's kind of to my demise right? If I didn't believe in gravity. So I believe it. I respect it. Truth is true whether you believe it or not. So that leads us to Jesus. Because you have all these other religions, you have all these other people who are trying to become God in all these other religions, but there's one outlier in all these religions where a God became a man to save humanity. That is very unique in this whole world religion situation, and so we got to put a magnifying glass on that. Because that is an outlier in the group. And that's what I want to do tonight is I want to put a magnifying glass on Jesus to say, okay, here's a guy who's claiming he was God coming down to earth to save us. And he claims he's truth. What does he say? This is what it looks like. And we should honestly, like, whether you believe it or not, you should should check into this. You should check into this. So the scene is, he's about to be crucified. He knows it. He knows he's going to rise from the dead. He's told his his disciples, hey, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die, but I'll rise again and I'll be back. And they're still freaking out because they don't get the benefit of reading the end of the story like we do. You know what I'm saying? Like they're in the story. And so they're freaking out because he's saying goodbye. And he says, "Don't don't let your hearts be troubled. This is John chapter 14. You believe in God, believe in me also. He's saying... Just like you believe in God, you're inherently believing in me. When you believe in God, you're believing in me because I am God. That's what he's saying right there. My father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you may also be where I am. He's talking about heaven. He's saying this whole thing that I'm doing on earth is preparing a place for you in heaven. This whole thing that I've got going on. So you know the way. You know the place where I'm going. And then Thomas asks the question that I think all of us would ask in that situation. I definitely would ask this question. I'm a detailed kind of person and I don't like risk. I want to know exactly how this is going to go. And here's what he says. He says, Lord, we have no idea where you're going. How can we get there? If we have no idea where you're going, how are we going to know the way? And Jesus says, he doesn't say I know the way and I'll show it to you. He says, I am the way. You've seen me, so you know. I am the truth. You don't have to wonder about what's true, what's false anymore. You can look at me. I'm truth. He said, I am the life. You don't have to wonder how you should live or why you should live or why you're here. Look at me and you've seen the life. You've seen the life. 
And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a truth. That's a truth he's claiming. And if you really know me, will you, you will know the Father as well. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. And then Philip asked a question that I think we all asked too. I think this is a very valid question in this situation. Because a lot of us, okay, so how many times have you laid down at night and you've like between closing your eyes and falling asleep, you've tried to imagine God? Like sometimes you imagine like an orb just floating in space, right? And other times you imagine like this big jolly Santa Claus dude sitting on a cloud and you're like, is that what God's? So Philip is kind of in the same situation that you are. And he, so, and he goes, you know what just, you know what make this so much easier? If you just showed us God. Like because if you're God, you could just show it to us. You could just have that happen and all of this would be way easier. And Jesus goes, Philip, listen to me. If you've seen me, you've seen God. So from now on, when you're wondering, what does God look like? Look to Jesus. Sometimes when you're thinking, what does God sound like when he's talking? Look to Jesus. Sometimes when you think, does God love me? Look at if Jesus loves you. Because that's what Jesus is saying here. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, believe it. And in verse 11 he says, Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. He's saying, hey, even if you don't believe anything I've said up until this point, would you believe in all the miracles that I did? Would you believe in all the changed lives? Would you believe in the blind that can see and the lame that can walk? Would you believe in a resurrection if you saw it? That's a big claim. And if Jesus is claiming to be truth, and if he's claiming to be God, he better back that up with something. Imagine your brother or your sister walking into your bedroom, walking into the living room and saying, hey, I'm God. You better turn to them and go, let's see some evidence of that. <laughs> Do something. Do that like Evan Almighty jump into the air or whatever. You know, like do something. And so, here's what we should do. If Jesus is claiming to be truth and we're trying to follow this path, we should look at the thing that he did to back up his claim, and that's the resurrection. Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. He knew it would happen. He willingly went, even though he was not guilty. He willingly went to the cross, died, and rose again. The tomb was empty. Nobody was really arguing about that at the time. They were just arguing about whether he was God or not. So if we want to know that we can trust Jesus... Because if he's saying the truth, we should check the source, right? You don't just write a paper on Wikipedia. you got to find a source, right? We better check the source. A guy who checked the source, his name is Lee Strobel. I actually met the guy. I've shaken his hand. And uh, a fantastic dude. But like he, uh, he was an investigative reporter for the Chicago, Chicago Tribune. And he actually opened up a case to prove Jesus was false. To prove that the whole Christianity thing... Christianity thing was just made up. And this rung a bell with me because I was so cynical from where I came from with this whole church faith thing that I thought it was a fairy, fairy tale too. Like I was just, yeah, that's, that's good to hope for, I guess. So that's just a legend. That never really happened. But then all of a sudden, Lee started finding these things and he was trying to prove it wrong, but he was actually finding more and more and more evidence that this actually happened. And eventually, he gave his life to Jesus and began preaching the gospel. He was so upset at Jesus because his wife had become a Christian and it was shaking up his marriage and the power that he had in his marriage. He wanted to prove it wrong and then he ends up going, I guess Jesus is real. 
And I guess that whole thing is true. And this video I'm going to show you is going to give you four pieces of evidence that the resurrection actually happened. So if you are one of those doubters, if you're one of those people who really need some evidence, lean in to this next three minutes, okay? Here's this video. I like to look at the evidence for the resurrection in four categories. The first one is, did Jesus die on the cross? Was he dead? Virtually every scholar on planet Earth can see that Jesus was dead after crucifixion. We have no record of anyone anywhere ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. Uh, even the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, published a peer-reviewed scientific medical study of the evidence for the death of Jesus and said clearly the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Even the atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludeman, says historically it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. So Jesus was dead. The second category of evidence is the early accounts we have for the resurrection. In other words, I used to think as an atheist that the resurrection was a legend, and that took a long time to develop in the ancient world. But what I learned is that we have preserved for us a creed of the earliest Christian church, a creed that is a eyewitness-based report of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this creed has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus, within months. That is historical gold. So we've got a newsflash from ancient history on the resurrection. Third category of evidence is the empty tomb. And the best evidence for that is even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted the tomb was empty. Because when the disciples began proclaiming that Jesus had risen, what the opponents said was, oh, well, um, the disciples stole the body. Now they're conceding the tomb's empty. They're just trying to explain how it got empty. So everybody's conceding the tomb was empty. How did it get empty is really the issue. And that goes to the fourth category of evidence, which is eyewitnesses. You know, for most of what we know about ancient history, it comes from one or maybe two sources of information. And yet, for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources, inside and outside the New Testament, confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ. That is an avalanche of historical data. So you put all that together, and you have a really good case for Easter. So I hope that you see in that that there's actually been some study done. There's been some scholarly work on this stuff and that you might actually be able to trust it. See, tonight I told you, I'm not trying to prove anything. I can't prove to you 100% anything. But I can show you that there's probably a pretty good chance that Jesus was God and that he rose from the dead. And that we would be, we would be ignorant almost of history if we didn't at least look into it. And so what I want to do for the next two minutes is I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to put your hands on your knees in front of you and just take a deep breath with me. Take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. Good job. Okay, so here's what I want to happen. Here's, middle schoolers, I complimented you earlier. You totally ruined that moment. You totally ruined that moment. Um, here's what I want you to do. So go ahead and close your eyes. Go ahead and close your eyes. Okay, I want to run a thought experiment with you. And I just want you to take the evidence and I want you to look at it. I want you to run the what ifs. I'm not saying I want you to 100% feel like everything is proven to you. I just want you to run the what ifs. What if, what if Jesus actually was who he says he was? What if the resurrection was actually a thing? 
what if there really was a truth that made sense about your human experience and the way that your heart longs for something after death and the way that you feel that your life should be meaningful and have purpose? Like, what if there was a truth that said that you are far more than an evolved ape whose only purpose in life is to eat, sleep, die, and be forgotten? What if? What if that truth was incredibly inclusive? That no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, what you've told yourself you are, or how far you feel from God, that it's including you in that truth. That you can be a part of that. What if Jesus actually walked on this planet and by that, what if God actually walked on this planet? What if he really was the truth, the way, and the life? What would change about your life if that was true? What if? So we're in this moment now of what if, okay, now what? Let's say that there is a chance that this is real. Let's say that there's a chance that this is true. Jesus is claiming to be the way, the truth, the life. He called this shot saying, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise from the dead. He did that. And he said, believe in me. Even if you don't believe my words, believe what I've done. Look at the evidence, look at the witnesses, and look at the firsthand accounts. And if you can trust me enough, believe. Now back to gravity. It's a force. A truth that is true whether I believe in it or not. I can hardly explain it, nor can I see it, but a character holds true to your experience of gravity. But it's holding things together in a way that is indescribable, and if I choose to believe it, I have a right relationship with it. I respect it. I honor it. I follow its truth. I let it define my reality. Now back to Jesus. He's a force. He's a truth that is true whether I believe in him or not. I can hardly explain his glory, nor can I see him, although many in history have. But his character holds true to what he taught, even in my experiences personally. He's holding things together in a way that's indescribable. And if I choose to believe in him, I have a right relationship with him. I honor him. I respect him. I follow his truth. I let him define my reality, the truth that I believe in. And you say, how, how can I believe that Jesus was God? It, it all goes back to the resurrection. In fact, even the scriptures say that if the resurrection isn't true, people should laugh at us because we're wasting our lives. And if you're trying to decide on that, you're actually sitting in the same seat as one of the most influential writers of the New Testament, which is the part of the Bible after Jesus rose from the dead. His name was Paul. And he was actually on the side and on the team of the people who took Jesus and put him to death. And so after, when the disciples were saying Jesus rose from the dead, he actually went after them. He got, he got the rights to go after them, throw them in jail, and have them killed. He literally hunted Christians. And then one day he experienced the risen Jesus. And almost overnight he started preaching the gospel and saying, I was wrong. I'm wrong. And he's going to the disciples now and saying, hey, I know I was throwing all your friends in jail and I was having them killed, but I've seen Jesus. I've seen what you've seen. And everything's different now. 
and he spends the rest of his life in and out of jails, being thrown in jails because he's preaching the gospel. You explain that to me. How does that happen? Either that guy went crazy or Jesus really rose from the dead. He went from killing Christians to being one and preaching. Jesus rose from the dead. He wrote this. This is 1 Corinthians. I want you to hear this. He says this. Now let me ask you something. He's playing a little thought experiment here. It's profound yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead, how can you let people say that there's no such thing as resurrection? He's saying... If you believe that, how can you think there's no truth in the universe? If you believe that, why do you say there's no truth? Because if there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed you verifying that God is raised up, Christ would be sheer fabrications if there was no resurrection. And if a corpse can't be raised, then Christ wasn't because he was indeed dead. Just like the evidence showed in that video, he was dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all we're doing is wandering around in the dark, as lost as ever. And if even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection because they're already in their graves and if all we get out of following Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years people should laugh at us but Christ is raised from the dead Paul's saying I've seen him with my own eyes and he's just the first of many to rise from the cemetery And maybe you're in that same moment where you're saying, I'm on the fence about this whole thing. And I'm too far gone. I've done too much. I've sinned way too much. I've got too much junk in my life to ever make a move towards this whole Jesus thing. He would never accept me. Listen, that's not the gospel. He came here to fix broken people. I do not, I do not expect you to walk through those doors fixed on Wednesday nights. Even though we try to keep the room somewhat sane and we say, please don't destroy things. Please be here. We don't expect you to walk through those doors perfect. And God help us if we ever do. Because Jesus came to help people. And all we can do, we can't save you, Jesus saves you. And all we can do is preach the gospel and say, you are lost, but you can be found. And that can happen now. Because Jesus is not in the grave. Jesus has risen from the dead. And I want you to hear what Paul wrote. Maybe that's where you're at. And maybe this will be salved to the wound of your soul thinking you will never be able to reach God or be close to God ever again. This is what he writes. And I want you to hear the heart of this. I'm so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me adequate to do this work. I'm reading these words and I'm hearing my story. I can't believe I'm preaching this gospel. I never in a million years thought I'd be here. But I've seen Jesus do things in my life that I can't explain. And I can't go back to the way I was living. And so the only thing that I can do is stand on stages like this and say, guys, I, I'm pretty sure that Jesus is who he says he is. And he's healed so many of the wounds in my life. And God, I want it for you. I want it for you so bad. 
I don't want you laying in your beds at night miserable, wondering if you should even live or not. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I can't believe I'm here, but thank God I'm here. And he says, I can't believe this, but he went out on a limb, you know, entrusting me with this ministry. And the only credentials I brought were invictive, witch hunts and arrogance, but I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I was doing it against, but grace mixed with faith and love poured over me and into me and all because of Jesus. Grace mixed with faith and love poured over me and into me and all because of Jesus. Paul is saying, I believe him. I believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and I can't go back, and it's just like gravity. I can't see it. I don't know. I can't prove it, but it's happening. And maybe you're in the same boat. What if he really is the way, the truth, and the life? What if he is? And if he is, how would your life be different? Tonight, you get to see a baptism of someone who's not 100% positive about this whole thing. But they're saying, I'm at least going to take a chance. Because if Jesus can rise from the dead, I can at least trust him with the wounds of my heart. And these next few songs, I don't want you to make noise. I want you to sing from your heart. I want you to look at the words on the screen and see if it matches up with the, the truth in your heart. And if it does, I don't care how pretty you sing, make it loud. I want to pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done in my life. I, I wasn't expecting to feel that rush of, of just gratefulness that you've changed my life. And I don't want the pain uh, that these students have to be in their lives anymore. And I know you don't either. And that's the whole reason why Jesus went to the cross is so that that pain wouldn't have to be forever but that our sins could be forgiven so that we could be right with you, so that we could be with you in the end. Our lives on this planet will not last forever. This pain on this planet will not last forever. There's a day where you are going to make it all right. And we've got to have our eyes on that, knowing that Jesus came to make it all right, to raise from the dead, to prove that he's got the power over the dead and that there's life everlasting. I pray for the student in this room tonight that is on the fence, just like Paul was. And maybe they're seeing Jesus straight in front of them. I pray that you would give them the courage to say, what if? What if? Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.